welcome to the News Nest. Hello, Owies. This is Sparrow. Welcome to the News Nest. Um, we have so much to cover today. Uh, we've missed two weeks worth of news and it was a very busy two weeks so I am going to jump right into the news um, before I do anything else so that I can make sure that I cover everything. Um, first thing is two weeks ago we reached the 100,000 post mark in the FPF thread. Um, we did it before the March deadline so there was a mother load giveaway and the winner of the mother load was Lock Knits Monster. Congratulations, Shannon. Um, very good job to you, and thank you so much to everyone who came and participated. It was a lot of fun to chat. I unfortunately only got to come a few times, but it was very much fun. There was a whole page of winners on that day um, who each received a pattern, and many of them got multiple patterns because they were on the page several times, so that was a lot of fun. And thank you very much to Stephanie for letting us have such a fun time. She did announce during that mother load giveaway that there will be another mother load giveaway in the FPF thread when we reach post number 123456. So post number um, 123,456. Right now we are 21,500 posts away from that. So, we, you know, we, we've got a while, but um, I imagine we could probably be there tomorrow if we really wanted to, but um, we do have time, so um, if you would like to come and chat with us in FPF and possibly win another mother load, and to remind you, the mother load is every single talk pattern published to date, and I believe Stephanie has said that if you win the mother load and she publishes a pattern, a new pattern, within two weeks of you winning, then you will also receive that one, so... She's extremely generous. I missed two weeks worth of FPF winners. One week I missed was right before the mother load was given away. Um, the winner was Subversive Knit and the sandwich winner was What Katie Did 19. So congratulations to the two of you. And then the last round of FPF winners, there was a whole bunch of you. Usher Love Rules was the official me winner, so congratulations. And the sandwich winners were Sticks of Fury, Walter Bear, Casa Knitter, and The Forest of Dean. Congratulations, all of you guys. And there was also a giveaway uh, done by Tallycat, Julie, for one of her amazing bags in the FPF thread. If you guys haven't seen Julie's bags, they're wonderful. I had the um, opportunity to win uh, several of them a while back, and they are the best, the best things ever. So... Um, I'm sorry, I couldn't find who won that. I searched the whole thread and I totally missed it. So whoever you are, congratulations. And I'm really sorry that I couldn't find you. Um, <laughs> and now on to some other news. In the Card Pal Swap, I wanted to let you guys all know that the Card Pal Swap is going to be taken over by Swaddle Babies. Melikai has said that she's going to be spending less time on the internet and she wanted to leave the card pal swap in good hands. So Swaddle Babies, um, Priscilla, will be taking over the card pal swap. If you have, you know, anything you need to, if you ever need to, like, set out a month or change if you're shipping international or um, domestic or anything like that, get a hold of her and not Malachi. 
these spring swap packages are arriving all over the place. Owls are furiously delivering them all across the world, and you can see them in the spring swap thank you thread. Um, there have been some excellent packages in there, and I'll have that linked again. On April 15th, which is this upcoming Sunday, in the Bookish Owls thread, we are going to be gathering to um, decide on our next pick. It's been um, almost three months now since we read a book, and I think everybody just kind of um, had so much going on right there at the beginning of the year. So on April 15th, this Sunday, if you can come by the thread, if you would like to um, have a vote in what we're going to be reading next, and uh, we will be discussing it then. The big new news, exciting news, is that we have decided to start a Ravolympics team. Um, I, I was looking for some exciting Ravolympics music to put right here with this announcement, but I couldn't find anything. Um, <laughs> but just imagine really exciting champion music. <laughs> um, if you don't know, the Ravolympics is an event that is hosted on Ravelry every year during the Olympics. That basically, you can... You can um, you can be a part of it without a team, but I think it's more fun to be on a team. Basically, people go, and there are different um, challenges posted for um, different Olympics events. So, for instance, the luge is Olympic event. They have what's called the lace luge on Ravelry, which is where you would challenge yourself by doing a lace project. Um, there's uh, d just different challenges like that that coincide with Olympic events. Um, or you can you don't have to do any of them. You can just pick something you want. There's it's very loose. The the rules are not very firm. It, it the the point is just to challenge yourself and have fun doing it. Um, so we have started Team Owly, and there's an official thread for that. Um, Winter Fee and Pixie Wear are the team captains, and they will be um, giving us more information as time goes on. We will need, if you want to be a part of the team, you will need to go to the Ravolympics group and sign in there. But it's it's not ready yet. Team Alley is not um, officially up yet. Um, watch the thread there in Talkland, and Winterfee will let you know when you need to do that. I'm sure she'll give you a handy-dandy little link. And she'll also be giving us some exciting information about a Team Ravatar and possibly Team T-shirts, which I think is super cool. I can't wait to get my Team Alley T-shirt. So, um, Ravolympics, it starts in July, and it goes to, like, the beginning of August, and it's going to be lots of fun. One last thing I wanted to mention, um, the Austin, Texas Owly Meetup. It looks like it's been scheduled for the 27th of May. I don't know if that's tentative or if that's officially the date, but that's the date that I'm seeing in the thread. If you are in the Austin, Texas area, or you will be in May, and you would like to stop by, I'm sure they'd love to see you. Looks like they're even planning on snacks, guys. So <laughs> um, I'll have that thread linked. And the next thing I have for you is the quest clue. I'm actually behind by two quest clues now, um, but they're both pretty long clues. So in effort to get this up sooner, because um, I'm already behind, I'm only going to read the most the most recent one. So um, this clue, you'll you'll be missing one. You'll need to go and and check out the previous one that that I'm not reading. <laughs> Ooh, and as another quick um, heads up, this one does have a spoiler in it. If you have not solved 
the quest clue from the beginning of the month, the one that I'm not reading, um, you'll want to skip through here because um, this does have a spoiler as to what the answer is to that one. The Mermaid's Chamber Monday morning came. Luckily, the feathered lady had been keeping a diary or they had lost or they had all lost their sense of time, and the group had decided on a solution. What a weird riddle this had been. Everybody was quite sure that the solution was egg, but how would that help to find the prophecy? They approached the water's edge, and the sparrow called softly for the girl. After a little while, the girl arose from the water and climbed up onto the rock island in the center of the pond. The moment she touched the stone, flowers started to grow all around her. Look, she said, this is all because of you. Thank you so much. Before she had finished her sentence, the little island was covered in flowers of all kinds, and the air was full of sweet flowery scents. Oh, how I miss being outside, the hare said longingly, and the sparrow twittered in agreement. Have you found the solution to my riddle? the girl asked. If so, I will know which way to lead you. The elf stepped forward. We think that the answer is egg, he declared. The girl looked thoughtful. You have to know that there are many destinations to reach through my little pond here, she smiled. But you can only pass it once. The prophecy you are looking for is hiding in many different places, depending on the days and the moon and other things I know nothing about. The water knows where it is hidden, but it cannot tell. It can only whisper the riddles to me, riddles I cannot solve, but pass on. The girl looked amused. Although you are the first ones that have come to me for a very long time. Well, hidden in an egg, she continued, and everybody looked at her, wondering where this might lead. The girl grinned even more. It's a bit silly, she said, but I think I know who to send you to. Her face became more serious. I will work my magic now. It will allow you to pass my waters without harm. You need to follow the butterfly. Suddenly there was a bright yellow butterfly fluttering in the air in front of the girl. Do not, and this is most important, turn around. Even more importantly, do not leave the butterfly or take a different path. She looked at each of them and smiled again. Thank you once more for the beautiful flowers you have made me. They will now brighten my days. And then, serious once more, she declared, Get ready. As fast as possible, everyone collected their things and gathered at the edge of the water. The dwarf looked very nervous. He just hated water, and so did most of the animals in the group. But then the girl worked her magic. Only she wasn't a girl anymore. Her green hair floated around a face that looked much older than the girl had seemed to be, so old, in fact, that she looked ageless. A strong, ancient, and deep magic emanated from her, and the group fell silent, wondering what would happen next. Then the water started to change. It sort of disappeared. Instead, a carpet of flowers appeared, and the path became visible and went deeper and deeper downward in spirals, and the butterfly flew down that path, and everybody shook off their awe and hurried to follow the butterfly. Down, down, down they went, careful not to turn around, not to look back. There were other paths crossing theirs, going even, even further down or up, 
leading to castles, dark woods, and steep mountains. It was a weird landscape they were walking through. Flowers, trees, houses, everything was there, but looked just a tiny bit wrong, just as if created by somebody who had only heard about these things, but had never seen them herself. The girls doing, they guessed. None of them could have said how far they had gone when they reached a garden fence. This was too weird. Weren't they still down in the manor at the bottom of the pond? The hare leaped forward to open the gate, and the group entered. The butterfly had disappeared, and instead the weirdest creature jumped towards them. The hare took a deep breath. That's a hare in pants, he declared, quite unnecessarily, as everybody was able to see that. "'Who has ever seen such a thing?' he continued, shaking his head vigorously. The hare in pants jumped towards them, calling out, "'Visitors! Oh, my goodness, visitors! I have not had any visitors for—' He fell silent for a moment. "'Ever! I have never, ever had any visitors before!' He jumped around the group, calling out, "'Happy Easter! Happy Easter, my dear visitors!' The hare had a most prominent German accent. It sounded quite silly. The dwarf wasn't sure to be scared or annoyed by the hare in pants. The sparrow looked at, at the excited hare. "'You are the Easter Bunny, are you not?' "'Bunny?' the hare sniffed angrily. "'Do I look like a bunny? I am a hare. And yes, I am the Easter Hare. Why aren't you lucky? I have even hidden the golden egg today. You never know when to expect visitors.' You are here for the egg, aren't you? He looked at them expectantly. The elf nodded. I guess we are indeed, he said. But why did you hide it? Well, that's what I do, right? Hide the eggs. He continued to jump around in excitement. Must be one of those silly German traditions, the dwarf mumbled. Why the hell would anyone hide an egg? The hare in pants stopped jumping for a moment. Why don't you go and search for the egg? He asked and indicated to the huge garden around them. There was even a tiny wood close by. How were they supposed to ever find the egg that the hare had talked about? The hare, the one without pants, swallowed his indignation about this weird fellow and asked, Can't you just give us a hint? The Easter hare stopped for a moment, thinking. Well, I will give you a hint, he finally said, just because you are a cute little fellow. And a bit softer, he mumbled, not even pants. He is not even wearing pants. What do they teach them in these schoolies days? Then he declared, Ahem. I wear a crown, but I am no king. I seem covered in snow both in winter and spring. I am rarely still, but do not leave. My daughters and sons are taken by thieves. I am mother and father, but do not nurse. And... The coddling moth is my worst curse. That, said the Easter Hare, should be enough. Now off you go and search for the golden egg. If you need a break, you will find me over there. He indicated to a long table loaded with challa and, and chocolate eggs and other delicious things. You can always come and join me. I love to have visitors. And with these words, he jumped off and left the group alone. So that is this week's quest clue. If you think you know where the egg is hidden, PM Lily Lalu. And if you don't hear anything back right away, don't worry. Um, Lily seems to have been really, really busy lately, and um, it might be that she does another announcement of who was correct on the thread like she did last week. And I just want you guys to know that I spent 
probably two hours trying to do a German accent for that Easter hair, and it was just embarrassing. So <laughs> you're welcome for not having to listen to me do a German accent. Um, that was the quest clue, and now I'm going to do the interview. This week's interview is with Chronographia. She was scheduled to be last week's um, interviewee, and um, Chronographia is an Ali who she's she's not um, always all over the board. So some of you may not have had the chance to come in contact with her, um, but she does spend um, plenty of time in the um, hexapuff threads. So you, you've probably seen her pictures there. She does beautiful charts for the hexapuffs. Um, and so here is her interview. What brought you to Talkland? I've been a fan of Tiny Owl Knits projects and then patterns since sometime in 2008. I remember coming across Stephanie's Shakespeare in Love sweater and thinking, that, I want to knit like that. I'm still hoping one day for a pattern. When she started a group for Tiny Owl Knits, I was absolutely delighted. I know that I'm not the most vocal around the group, but I peek in a little every day and pipe up when I think I can be helpful. Aside from crafting, what's your favorite thing to do? The only thing that I do for fun and purely fun is contact juggling. Think of David Bowie's twirling crystal spheres in Labyrinth. And if you haven't seen Labyrinth, you can do a quick search on YouTube and get a really awesome introduction. Still pictures don't do contact juggling justice. I should mention, since I'm a working artist, the lines between fun and work are pretty blurred. A lot of what I do stops being a hobby and just becomes a set of skills which may become useful later on, up into including doing research and feeding my brain with new ideas. What kinds of yarns or fibers do you like? I am fond of all forms of protein fibers. On the luxury ends of things, angora rabbits hold a special place in my affections. But I'm pleased to say that I've petted fiber from all living species of camelids. Llama, alpaca, um, I think that's vicuna, guanaco, <laughs> dromedary camel, and bactrian camel. <laughs> oh man, wow, I feel like I should have a merit badge for that. You should. <laughs> Chronographia, you should get a merit badge for that. For everyday woolens, I fell in love with Polworth a few years ago. It's a sheep breed that is one quarter Lincoln and three quarters Merino, so it's still really soft but has a slightly more robust character than some of the really wispy Merino yarns out there. What sorts of projects or techniques do you like the best? I like projects that introduce me to a new skill because I like adding to my knitting knowledge all the time. So it doesn't matter if it's lace or double knitting or some mind-bending new approach to garment construction. It, helped me keep, it helps me keep my options open when I have a design in my head that I want to write down. How can I make it the best way? Techniques aside, there's something really soothing about making a knitted hat. I find myself defaulting to sweet little berets when I don't have a project in mind. So I make hats as a way of taking a break from my day job, which is making hats. Go figure. If you haven't seen Chronographia's hats, um, she sells them on Etsy, and they're gorgeous creations of art that I couldn't even imagine wearing because I'd be so scared I would mess it up, but I'm sure they're awesome for wearing, too. <clears throat> Is there any familial importance or significance to knitting or crafting for you? My mother runs a small traveling fiber arts supply business, Ursula's Alcove, which caters to historical reenactors. Prior to opening her business, she learned all about natural dyeing, spinning, and weaving while I was growing up, so I probably know more 
so I know probably more fiber and what can be done with it than is healthy for any one person. How did you learn to knit and what was the moment or project when you realized you couldn't live without it? I learned to knit the day after Thanksgiving 2003, but I realized that I wanted things that were knit when I was four and began watching the Tom Baker episodes of Doctor Who on PBS. It took until after college, but I fulfilled my dream of having a Tom Baker scarf, the large one and two miniature one, actually, and I keep finding other amazing knits in classic episodes of Doctor Who. If you could go back in time for 24 hours, where and when would you go? Because Shakespeare's Hamlet is a passion of mine, I'd want to go back to London in 1602 and see the Lord Chamberlain's men and Richard Burbage perform Hamlet. The lead role was essentially written for Burbage, the leading um, tra tragedian, <laughs> tragedy actor <laughs> of the day. That is, of course, assuming the theaters weren't closed on account of the plague. What is your favorite fairy tale and why? I grew up with the original versions of Grimm's Tales, so I'm partial to the musicians of Bremen. I really, really love that optimism, dumb luck, and just doing their own thing turned the animals into bandit-defeating heroes. In fairy tales, this is so rarely the case. Usually they're filled with harsh moral lessons. When you were a little kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? I pretty much knew straight away I wanted to be an artist. As I got older and realized what you could do for a job was a lot more diverse and complex, being an artist didn't seem specific enough for me. When I learned that you could work at the Jim Henson Creature Shop, I kind of flipped out and made that my answer when the career day rolled around. And then I asked um, Chronographia to kind of tell us about her hats, what was her inspiration, how did she get started making them, um, and if she ever had one that was the hardest to let go or if it was her most favorite. And she says, My mother visited me at some point when I was in art school with a copy of Howl's Moving Castle by Diana Wynne Jones and jokingly but enthusiastically suggested that we open a little hat shop like the one in the book and sell charmed hats that always find the people that want to wear them. Years later, entirely by accident, this is what I do. I started in 2005 making felt hats as an excuse in mathematical modeling using yarn scraps from my mother's business and selling them through my mother's business. My first hats were a whole series of pillbox hats based on the colors of the U.S. Harry Potter book covers. Things have evolved since then, but they're still basically mathematical models made out of wool in my head. I also don't fret about selling a favorite hat, because it's true that they all find the people that they want to wear them, and so far that person has never been me. Thank you so very much, Chronographia, for a wonderful interview. I will have her Etsy store linked in the show notes so that you can go and see these amazing hats um, for yourself. And now I have this week's limerick. This week's limerick is about the Olympics, And Badger's mama wrote a note um, to say that she lives in Texas and during the summer metal needles are a big no-no. They get way too hot so that'll kind of explain the last line. This summer, I'll sit on my porch, knitting quickly to pass on the torch. My event will be lace, the sun on my face, without Addie's, lest my hands scorch. Thank you very much, Badger's Mama. And you guys, um, maybe we might have a cute little series of limericks about the Revolympics um, when they start. Badger's Mama said she's thinking about creating a little series of them, so that would be really fun. 
and I will see you guys all back here next week. Bye.